Hello and welcome to episode 187 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The postseason is well underway and the quarterback carousel continues. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Episode 187187 in the USA is the police code for homicide. And oh my God, the Saints have murdered their chances of the Super Bowl with their sightings. I'm delighted to have Charles Patterson and Gordon McGuinness with me as well. And no doubt plenty of pushback is coming. Good evening, Jake. Shame on you. Shame on you. That's terrible. <laughs> we've poor, poor Jameis. We also we've all got we've all got the receipts in the group that he was in fact, even on this podcast, I think he was talking about hope they make a move with Jameis sooner rather than later. I think he used, if, the, used the caveat were, of like, oh, if that's if, what it was if that's problem. what they were going to do. It, it, Paul, it could have been but, a lot worse. You could have signed to Sean Watson. Well, that, that's another story <laughs> in itself. But I'm wondering if we should actually just start there. Yeah, it, yes. it was slightly bizarre, given the fact that those three teams in for him, the Saints seemed to be absolutely nailed on to get him. He ruled out the Cleveland Browns. And two days later, where else did he go but the Cleveland Browns? The, the problem with this is... This is the problem with sport in 2022. Money talks and the NFL is the biggest free market out there. Players only think of themselves. And the Cleveland Browns were told he's not coming to you. And then they just threw a guaranteed, fully guaranteed $230 million at him. And he said, yes. I mean, who wouldn't? He set up his family for life. Um, the, the clause that he might get paid a rock bottom deal in year one if he's suspended. It, the, 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 it's, it's everything that is bad about the NFL, in my view. And I was watching back um, the NFL honours a couple of nights ago, and you had Andrew Whitworth, who obviously was named Man of the Year, and then he's won the Super Bowl, and he made a great speech about how the fact that players need to remember that the, the, the value that they have to their communities and not just to themselves and to their teams. And that's everything that's good about the NFL. This is everything that is not good about the NFL. It stinks. It might land the Cleveland Browns a Super Bowl long term, but it's just a horrible, horrible deal. If the Browns were in the NFC, I think your statement would ring true. But I think because they're an AFC team, it's damn hard to say that he's going to win one there. And I think that let's take the lawsuit stuff out of this, right? Because... Fine, it's gone to grand jury and all that jazz. The civil stuff continues. We can't, we don't know what's going to happen there. No matter what happens, he's probably going to face a suspension based on the back of this, probably. And again, I agree with you. The Browns have tweaked this form. Now, what we don't know is what that original Cleveland offer was that made him say, nah, no thanks. Um, they've obviously come back and up the ante somewhat and then made him change his mind because, yeah, the narrative was he's heading to the NFC South where... I think your statement about him winning a Super Bowl would probably be more likely to happen had he gone to one of those teams. Um, ultimately, questionable, you know, antics, uh, but that's down to the agent making that happen. If you want this guy, that's what you're going to have to do. They've done it. But let's talk about what they've paid, right? Six picks for a player who hasn't played in the year, who may not play this year, who is very good, very good quarterback. No two ways about that. But have they overpaid for someone that isn't going to be in day one? You know, that we're hearing about their setup for success right now, but are they? Are they really? Well, they were very close to going to the championship game last season, and they've still got the nucleus of that team, more or less. They've now got Amari Cooper, as opposed to having Jarvis Landry and Odell, Odell Beckham, which they had at the start of last season. So you could argue that Amari Cooper's an upgrade on both of them, uh, albeit he hasn't really blown the doors off in Dallas recently. They are a good team. They've got a terrific offensive line. They've got a, you know, probably the best one-two running back tandem in the league, arguably. And they've got really good bits on defence. And they're playing in a division, which is an interesting one, because you've got the Bengals, who've obviously just had an amazing season. You've got Baltimore, who have got Lamar Jackson, but I think there's a lot of questions about them. And then you've got Pittsburgh, who, depending on which way you look at it, are either being are, are either in a complete rebuild mode or actually still genuinely a, a contender. So it's a tough division. But he is, he, in my view, if he's on the field, I would take him as the number one quarterback in that division. 
if he's on the field, but we don't know if he'll ever be on the field. So it's a massive risk. I think, I mean, Houston must be laughing, frankly. They'll be delighted at this, that he's finally gone. The To give up that amount of draft capital and money, and in guaranteed money, for a player who still has 22 civil cases potentially pending for, you know, improper conduct. I think it's probably the best way to say that. Yep. Uh, on, on two parts, one that doesn't feel like the smartest thing an NFL team sh- can or should do. It's not like you've got some kind of cut price deal in trading for him. But to Charles' point, really leaves me feeling like quite grimy and horrible for watching the sport. Like it just doesn't feel so when the news broke and like I was sat there on Friday night and you see people like loads of people in the fantasy football community are talking about like oh what this means for this wide receiver and this and that. Just leaves me feeling horrible. Like that's not and and it I get it. Sport is for something that, you know, people, you know, view it in different ways and some people can compartmentalize and, you know, they just want their team to be good and they don't care and all that stuff. Like to, to the point about Andrew Whitworth and stuff, character matters. And, you know, that's, it's a lot that's been given up a lot of money that's gone to someone who, you know, may wind up being suspended. And at the heart of that is some, potentially and i'm using the word potentially because there are several cases pending uh had some very very poor uh conduct but we've seen poor conduct right across the league in many in many ways gordon the better the player the easier you are forgiven and, and you come on back i mean that that's the nature of sport i'm glad he didn't come to the saints Simple as that, uh, because that would lead me to question it. But I'm not sure there's enough sports fans will, will look at it like that. It's now their player, it's their team. They will lose a small percentage of their, their crowd. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But if you start winning, winning attracts people again, um, and it all comes back round. So, you know, in you know 18 months, two years' time, if he's got them in the playoffs, I'm not sure it's a narrative. I'm not sure it's a story. They've got themselves a top-tier elite quarterback. I don't think they've overpaid for him if, again, we're separating the player from from the personal conduct. The Cleveland Browns have decided to go down a route they've gone down. They have not gone down what other some other teams will do. Will having, you know, famously, the All Blacks have a no-dickheads policy. You know, the, it doesn't matter how good you are. If, if you're going to cause problems in the camp, etc., you're not picked. That's not how the NFL is. It's not how the sports business is. And just to come come to what, what you're saying, Cameron, can they be competitive? I think they can be competitive. Some of their away games this year, Falcons, certainly winnable. Panthers, winnable. Texans, winnable. Dolphins, winnable. Steelers, all winnable. Potentially five winnable games away from home before you actually look at their home schedule. The Jets come calling. So it's a tougher home schedule without doubt. So I think they can probably think that it'll get suspended 68 games, which I have to say I disagree with on the, the NFL's policy of actually making judgments on people before they face legal situations. I think that's the wrong way around. And I've said that before about other people. He's not been convicted of anything. Yeah, when you um, look at when you when you look at what they gave up, you mentioned what you gave up, I think it's fair. I, I would agree. And Denver took uh, two, well, they, they gave up two first, two seconds, a fourth and a fifth for Russell Wilson. If you put Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson alongside each other and they're both on the field, I would take Deshaun Watson, my view, would, because he's, first of all, he's got more lifespan in him. He's seven, seven or eight years younger. I think he's more dynamic now. And they are mortgaging the next 10 years on this. And they, they are banking that people are going to forget about this ultimately. And that's what happens in the NFL. That's what happens with a lot of sports fans is they do eventually lose track of what's happened before. And I think the higher up you go and the more valuable the player, the more often that is likely to happen. And if Cleveland come out in 10 years time and Deshaun Watson's finished his career with two Super Bowls, it will have been worth it as far as they're concerned. This is a tortured fan base. It's it's interesting. I I look at the, the amount that they've given up and I, I just don't know that it is worth it because 
we don't know that this is the same player. We don't know how impacted he is by uh, the what's gone on again. Let's take whatever guilt or no guilt is in there. Ultimately, he definitely didn't feature at all last year. He's had this hanging over his head. Um, what player is it that's going to be there in Cleveland? Uh, a new team, having not played for a year at all, and may miss some games because, you know, I think by the time the season comes around, this will know one way or the other. So I don't think the scenario you're talking about, Paul, will probably come to pass here. I would envisage that there'll be some resolution, meaning that by the time the season comes, it will be with something behind it. But um, that remains to be seen. The, the, there's question marks about what do the, uh, the NFL do about the fact that there's been some clever mathematics that results in limiting the amount of financial impact the suspension may have for him, though I, w- I bet there'll be some fallout from that as well. Um, you know, Are you I, suggesting they massage the figures? They're skullduggery. It's absolute skullduggery. You know, There's no two ways about it. And it's, that's, that's, the, that's the shameful the bit. That's the it shameful stings. part. More yeah. than any other part, I think that's the thing for me that made me go, do you know what? You've taken something that's questionable and you've made it really, like, scummy. That's really scummy. Um, and can I can I argue, Cameron? It's scummy, but if it's within the rules of the NFL, still they scummy. Negli- they would have been negligent if they hadn't done it this way. No, they didn't. No. Need, they didn't no. need to do this. So, they didn't need to do this. Like so this is he, like as let's pushing the rule to the boundary to get a player out of a suspension that he's going to get potentially for his conduct, taking guilt, guilt out of it. Again, I'm not passing judgment because it hasn't been judged. That's for a jury. But if it turns to pass that he's found guilty of something and he's suspended and fined for his behaviour, then he has set it up so that he pays as little as possible. Find me all you want for my behaviour. I don't care. I'm utterly not impacted by it because I'm getting all my money. And the Browns have enabled it. When it, everybody knows it's a hot topic, it's just scummy. And that's it for me. But again, people are going to forget about that quite quickly. And again, I stand by it. If you're the Cleveland Browns, it's the right thing to do for the Cleveland Browns. Mm. And they don't actually give two hoots about anybody else. So They've I don't made think that's, that's perfectly that's, clear. It's the right thing. It, it's. I don't it's, even it like would using be the negligent, right thing. They're not it doing it for the Cleveland Browns. A, they're doing it for Deshaun Watson. They're not yes, doing it for that, themselves. Yes, but they are doing it for themselves because that's one of the reasons. That's how they got the player. It would have been negligent for them not to do it's, that. If you're going to go all in, you're going all in. I don't disagree with your sentiment. But if that's the business side and it's the so-called clever way to play it, then Cleveland... I, I can't blame them for it. I don't like it. No, I can't blame I, no, no, them for no. it. So, so that's that's the one part of this that is really difficult and in terms of how it's covered and all this stuff. The, the points around how fans are going to react and all that stuff, absolutely fair. understand that that's the way these things are. I don't think we need to praise the Browns for doing something. I'm not pra- I'm not praising them. I'm telling you, it's the right thing for them to do from but, their but that, perspective. But that, but that's praise. I don't like it. It's that, no. I'm I'm telling you, it's the sensible business decision from their point of view. If you're going all in, bring this sense. guy in. I, I don't. I don't think we need to give them praise though, and it's not like praising it as the right business decision. Kind of trivializes the fact that you are bringing in a player who has these 22 allegations, and I think. It, Every point of this, I think, and we are a very small podcast with a small group of listeners, but I do think how we talk about these things is really important. And I, I really can't find anything about this that is currently redeemable. No, I, I totally agree. And I think going forward, I mean, let's say for talking sake that Deshaun Watson plays this season, takes the Browns to the playoffs, it's going to leave a sour taste in the mouth every time you talk about it, especially if the civil charges that are alleged at the moment come to pass and it's found that there's a, an element of guilt there. I, I do hope, and I'm not optimistic about it, that this might be a bit of a watershed moment for the NFL if they are serious about promoting things like equality, diversity, um, in the sport, which when the occasion appears, they're very quick to jump on that bandwagon, whether a female coach or a referee gets involved in the game and, and, and breaks new ground. This takes it back light years. If you're treating players as such valuable assets that something that's live can still result in a player earning millions and millions of pounds and teams benefiting potentially. Um, 
I do hope that something good might come out of this bad situation long term, but I'm not optimistic about it. And I'll just again say I don't agree with what they've done, but I think they've done what they've done in the smartest way they think possible. And that's their job. Whether we like it or not is another matter. Uh, and to your point, Charles, I, I don't think so. Talent will trump everything in the NFL, hmm. genuinely. I, I don't I, see that I, changing. I agree with you. And as a cynical journalist, that's the why, that's why I agree with you. However, I think we are living in a different age now whereby the pressure on, I mean, you've, we saw what's happened with Washington in the last couple of years and the pressure that has forced the, the name change, uh, has forced a complete culture change inside one particular organisation. I, I do wonder whether or not there are moves afoot to really stamp out this issue of essentially treating things around this kind of sensitive subject with such trivial, as a, it's a trivial nature. It's being dismissed as a trivial nature and it's clearly not. So the, the eternal optimist in me hopes that this might be a watershed moment. You, you can't, if you're a successful brand in the NFL, accept that this is anything other than wrong. That's my view on it. But, and the interesting thing about this is that the teams that have courted him, we, let's roll on to Atlanta. Atlanta have had to bite the bullet because they courted him. They didn't get him. And they're, they've now traded their quarterback. And New Orleans courted them, they didn't get him, and they've had to bring back a guy that some people in New Orleans didn't want. So there was a bit of um, jeopardy in this for a lot of teams, and Cleveland has suffered as well because now they've got a quarterback that they can't get rid of. I think. I think the so as we move on to the Atlanta side of it, hmm. it's a sad ending to Matt Ryan's time there because okay, he couldn't win the Super Bowl with him. I think he won a league MVP though. Yep, he um, was. And he had a good few seasons where he was a very good quarterback. And when he went to Atlanta, it was after Vic had been suspended and left Atlanta. It was a team that had gone through turmoil and had gone through uh, a lot of off-field attention at the quarterback. And he came in and very much stabilized the quarterback position for them for over a decade. And okay, it's relatively obvious that he is on the downside of his career at this point. But Atlanta, again, Atlanta is not a roster that is set up for any quarterback to win just now, I don't think. So if they wanted rid of Matt Ryan, they should have probably done it last year. And if not, they should have probably looked at the situation this year and said, oh, let's let's take a rookie at eight and let Matt Ryan be the bridge quarterback for a year. It's... Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting how things have all, all tumbled out. So obviously Mariota goes there having been the backup for the Raiders while the Saints land Jameis Winston. So just point out and feel free to argue with me because I know you will. In terms of Mariota against Winston, highest winning percentage in the NFL, Mariota. Better completion rate, Mariota. Half the interceptions of the other, Mariota. Better touchdown to interceptions. Mariota. Someone's doing their research. (laughs) Won a playoff game. Mariota. Which, and this is a genuine question, why are the Saints so up on Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, who's also had three winning seasons? Jameis has had one. What is it that the Saints are seeing within Winston that nobody else saw in the last couple of years of Mariota to bring him in? And do Atlanta, a poor team as they are, have they made a smart move? I think they've been a smart move in terms of what was available to them. But the reason why Jameis Winston gets more uh, opportunities in that regard than Marcus Mariota is because all those things you pointed out ignored the, didn't ignore, but somewhat ignored the high end of it. He's thrown 136 touchdowns in his NFL career. He makes plays. Yes, there are a bunch of negative plays. 91 uh, interceptions. I, I think 91. I think you could make the case. All right, okay. Okay. What what was this touchdown interception ratio in New Orleans? In two seasons. Tell me that. <laughs> yeah. In New Orleans. In, in six games. Lies. Six games is, six games is not a sample size. Lies, no, damn lies and statistics. He threw I've, for 1,170 been... yards and 14 touchdowns to just three interceptions in seven I've, I've games. Been... 
I've been very deliberate in, in what, what I've done, partly to noise everybody up, but to show it through. <laughs> you can't prove anything with statistics. So the bottom line remains for me as a Saints fan is we've taken a cast off from a divisional rival and expect to win with them. I don't think that's ever going to happen. And I don't like it. I didn't like him signing last year. I don't like him signing this year from a fan's perspective. From Atlanta's point of view, I'm actually a little bit disappointed that Mariota's gone there because I don't think it's the best situation available. I think he is worth certainly a second look. Um, would I have taken Baker Mayfield in New Orleans? Why not? Certainly worth a try. Um, I think the Colts have done a smart thing in taking Matt Ryan for a year. He's got to be better than Carson Wentz. Um, would you have taken it, Matt Ryan in New Orleans? For a year, yeah, absolutely, because he's hmm. functional. Hang on, hang he's on. Actually, he's actually functional. Functional. A divisional, a divisional cast-off. Cast off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, we, we've set the precedent. We've set the precedent. So Matt Ryan is a former league MVP and has been to a Super Bowl. You know, hey, what, you know, what did, what did like, Jameis do to you in a previous life? <laughs> He, he played for a team that I cannot stand for four years. That's that's all about <laughs> rivalry. You know, oh, I mean, it, it, it's not like you know we've we've gone out and we've we've got a super. See, we've got a quarterback that's been at a Super Bowl, been at a championship game, and we've gone and drafted some guy at three and sat him on his arse for a year. It's, you know, we're not in that <laughs> kind of situation. Um, you've also, you're also not paying him like he's being paid a very small salary for a starting quarterback in the NFL. There's. The thing does that I, make me feel better? Genuinely, it, should, it doesn't. It, should. It, it, it doesn't. <laughs> so the other question, should. and actually, it's a question for you, Gordon. If he was so good, why was nobody else after him? Because he was waiting to go back to his uh, his, his second home. <laughs> He's also injured at the moment. He's also injured, exactly. So um, the Saints the, take the him back because they know. Weird. Yeah, and it's like why Jimmy's not entertained any trade offers of any quantity. If Jimmy Garoppolo. Wasn't injured, uh, he I think he would have got traded. Um, I, uh, I I wonder where the Jimmy Garoppolo might be starting quarterback for the Niners come uh, the first <laughs> possibly. <week of> September. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Charles, you're not going to be able to say the uh, Trey Lance pick was bad because at the end of this year, if he hasn't started, <laughs> then it's just going to be well, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> exactly. you know. Jimmy was always our man. It's fine, but you know, you use a first round pick for a quarterback. Um, it's interesting you talk about Baker Mayfield, though. You know, in double the games last year, Baker Mayfield threw three more touchdowns than Jameis Winston did in his, but ten more interceptions. Just comparisons and stats. Baker, Baker was done in Cleveland. I think that was fairly obvious to everybody. Yeah. Um, Baker I, was done there. I haven't. Well, I don't think there's I, anything of Baker that for me shows any sign it's like if daniel jones was available right now i would be going oh great let's go get daniel jones so I, if if i needed a quarterback if i was carolina if i even if i was the washington commanders now having traded for Wait. carson wentz take command i if i if i could trade a third round pick for baker mayfield which is maybe all it'll take i would absolutely do that yeah, I'm, I think he, I think he's absolutely serviceable as a mid mid tier quarterback, and I think he could do a really good job for three or four I think, years. I think he could be Kirk Cousins. Yeah, maybe not quite as good as Kirk Cousins. And again, how much you have to pay him comes into that as a as a problem. But the you look at the season, not last season there, where the second half of the season he was hurt, and I I am not high on Baker Mayfield at this point in his career but you go back to the season before and in the playoffs on the road to the Steelers he was really good he wasn't good the following week against the Chiefs which is why I think it reminds me a little bit of Kirk Cousins in that you're you're never going to get that week to week consistency from him but given what was traded for Sam Darnold a year ago given what was traded for Wentz a year ago and Wentz this year I, I do think people are a little lower on Baker Mayfield than they probably should be just relative to the other players. I've always, I've always thought he's, he, he was, he was, I remember he's a number one pick. So there's that, there's that expectation around him. I always thought he did for, for the system and the situation that he was in, I thought he did a pretty good job, but you look at the, the maybe the four teams that are, there's big question marks, Carolina, Detroit, Houston, Seattle, they could theoretically be four of the first six picks in the draft next year, given their, their rosters. And do you think that all those four teams are not thinking, Hmm, we might be drafting a quarterback pretty soon. So if it's not this year, then next year. So he's actually not got that many options. And you, But then you look at somewhere like Pittsburgh. They've got Mitch Trubisky potentially starting. I would take Baker Mayfield over Mitch Trubisky 
if I'm being honest. So okay. there are opportunities out there, absolutely. But he is, he's been boxed into a corner, partly of his own making and partly because the team that drafted him number one and thought that he was going to reinvigorate their franchise has basically sold him down the river. So I feel sorry for him, but it's not a terrible situation for him because I think something will come up ultimately. And the problem that he's got is he's going into his fifth year. And so actually there's no massive incentive apart from harmony in the dressing room to get him off the books. It's definitely interesting. Um, Coming back to the James Winston thing as well, I think if you look at the situation within that division, okay, fine, Carolina have got the makings of a good team, but the questions at quarterback remain. But you feel like now a big thing here, again, another player, very different reasons to Deshaun Watson, but with legal action hanging over his head is Alvin Kamara. Um, and if Alvin Kamara, for any reason, isn't back in New Orleans this year, massive loss from a player point of view. Um, but Jameis going in there is someone that they know. Obviously, the head coach has been in the building, knows what he's capable of. I think there's a, a status quo element to that pickup that I think the Saints will finish second in the division. Um, if, if Kamara's not there, that's a lot harder. Um, if Kamara's no, second, regardless of hmm. the running back, they could wow. certainly get in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah way to go. Eh? No, but you're up against let's, Brady. Let's aim, let's aim high. No, let's aim who, high to who, finish who was, second. Who was wow. your option out there that finishes ahead of the Bucks? Then? Does Baker Mayfield or Marcus Mariota finish oh, above Brady? Of course, of course, there's they no don't. way. <laughs> even even Cameron Hobbs, noted Tom Brady hater, is not saying that. No, I don't hate Tom Brady. Just, I'm just bored of him. <laughs> Just to wind the three of you up, I'm going to tell you, Mariota, obviously, or Mayfield. It's a no-brainer. Well, that would be just to wind you up. No, it, it is what it is. I think it's it, it's not what I would have done, but it's what they have done. So it's now a question I've got to suffer watching Jameis Winston quarterback. Yeah, what behind does, okay, your quarterback. So what does he need to do for you to say, I got that one wrong. Do you know what? He was a good player for that season. No, all he has to do, genuine question, all he has to do for me to really fall back in love with the Saints is for him to leave. No, no. Simple Simple as that. Irrational fandom. Irrational fandom. I don't want him as our quarterback. That's it. He is our quarterback. Therefore, that's how it is. If you oh, listening man, to this can figure out what's wrong with Paul's brain, do get in touch with us at Scotland NFL on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> Ah, see, I'm irrational, but I can forgive and forget and move on. Ah. If I could do it with Richard oh. Sherman, you can do it with Jameis Winston, let me tell you. Divisional no, cast. I've, sta- I've got standards, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk enough, I don't think, about Matt Ryan. Though. We said, you know, he's obviously been, you know, he's been an MVP. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's had some great seasons. The Falcons have kind of stank for a good couple of years now. The Colts... I've definitely got an upgrade on Wentz compared to last year. I don't think anyone will challenge me on that one. But I guess, does Matt Ryan have enough in him to make them a postseason contender? It's just like Philip Rivers two years ago. Well, that's what I was going to say. So that's what I was going to say. Is this like Philip Rivers? Remember, Wentz was meant to be an upgrade on Rivers because Wentz could move. Yeah. Um, Rivers, you know, we all know. Matt Ryan can move more than Rivers. Rivers. Philip Rivers is basically a sitting duck. Yeah. Um, Matt Ryan is not much more than Philip Rivers from a sitting duck perspective. He's in a better position. Are the are, have the Colts? In my view, the Colts are are treading water, treading water again. And actually, until the very end of the season, Carson Wentz had them on the brink of the playoffs alongside Jonathan Taylor. I think Wentz's statistics were better than perhaps some of his performances, but he was essentially brought in to get them back to the playoffs, and he nearly did that until he blew up in Jacksonville. But he didn't. Is Matt Ryan going to get them to the playoffs? Yes. Probably, yeah, probably possibly, I, I th- in that I weak division, that but division. he's not going to win you the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. So, So here's... I think you're right when you say it's very like it, it's comparable to the Rivers move. I I didn't like the Carson Wentz move a year ago, but I think this is very similar to the Philip Rivers one. If you go back and look at the playoffs that year, Colts weren't that far away from beating the Bills. Hmm. Yeah, I know. But, what, but the thing I don't understand is they had more cap room space than any team going into free agency, and 
they did not go and swing for someone like Russell Wilson. They didn't do it. And I don't understand why. And if they did, then they've never disclosed the reasons why they didn't make it. Don't but know if they that, had the picks to real because they'd already given yeah. up some picks and they went. But them giving up what wound up being a first round pick for Wentz mm. was a huge mistake. Yeah. I, I do admire the fact that they've just went and they, Chris Ballard said it at the combine. Like, you just need to keep swinging for a quarterback. Okay, maybe it's not the best to keep swinging for older quarterbacks who are not going to have much longevity for you, but they they have a good enough roster that I think they are effectively hoping for the Rams model, which I don't necessarily think is smart, but I do understand it. Yeah, I mean, they've got more pro bowlers, I think, than any other team this year. They sent more to the pro bowl. They, they've got the team. They are just searching for that person that will flip them over. Rivers came close. Wentz didn't. Wentz blew up, as you say, in Jacksonville. Can Matt Ryan do it? Yeah, I think he can. Will he take you deep in the playoffs? No, I don't think he will. Um, but I think they're in the, the right position to try that. That That's what... But they, they went... Again, would Baker Mayfield been a better fit? You know, just to roll the dice on Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield behind that coach line actually might have got you you more, but they've gone for the sort of more tried and tested steady Matt Ryan. And you know what? Good on Matt Ryan. I mean, obviously, as an Atlanta quarterback, I've never particularly liked the guy, um, but he's now in a better situation than he was this year. So good luck to him. I do wonder with the, the reason why Baker wasn't an option there, if it's because of so the wording they used around Wentz at the combine and postseason was less so about on the field and more about leadership and stuff like that. And I do wonder if some of the Baker stuff from Cleveland is they just didn't want to give up picks to have the same situation again. Whereas with Matt Ryan, I think they know what they're getting. I think they're getting more of a Philip Rivers type we can trust you to lead this team. So a question for you. Presuming Baker goes somewhere, okay, because we think he will. So, so for example, say Baker goes to Seattle. Are we likely to see at home with Baker Mayfield in Seattle or will Progressive do at home with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland? There's, there's a question for you. We don't need an answer. <laughs> so the reason that we're coming back around this uh, question again, Reese Noons, uh, so I reached out on Twitter and said to people, is there anything they want us to talk about? Reese Noons, um, he wanted us to talk about the Colts and he wanted a bit of appreciation for Ballard. He thinks that the flip of Wentz was incredible. Um, I think to, to get as much back for them as they got, is a decent uh, bit of business, and then only uh, give up what they give up for Matt Ryan. It's not part, terrible, right? Part of that is due to the fact that the Washington Commanders are clearly run by idiots. So <laughs> I, I don't think you give too much credit to Chris Ballard, and he he traded for Wentz in the first place. So, well, but but if so, I think I think this goes both ways. If you're someone who praised them for trading for Wentz, you probably shouldn't praise them for trading him away a year later. If you were critical of the move, I think it's probably a little bit harsh to then not praise them for seeing sense a year down the line. It's, it's, it's a very tough thing. And I think for Chris Ballard, it's maybe a little bit easier because he's in a situation that I think he's very well respected in the NFL. But not many NFL teams would have had it in them to trade for a quarterback and the following year later trade them away. It's about being able to admit when you're wrong about a quarterback. So we're replacing Paul Mitchell with Chris Ballard from next season, and <laughs> we'll move forward from there. Apparently, we all might be gone within weeks. Then that's the problem. The, the Washington Commanders are interested in me, and apparently for some reason, I can't argue why. Just on that though, but you know, coming back to Carson melted down in Jacksonville. If he doesn't melt down in Jacksonville, he gets them to the playoffs, and he's possibly still there. You know, I mean, it's fine margins, and and. We have to be absolutely honest about Chris Ballard. It wasn't Chris Ballard's fault that Wentz melted down against Jacksonville for no apparent reason. You know, arguably the worst team in the league alongside the Lions and a guy who is was shown to be capable simply couldn't get over the hump. There's nothing you can do as a chief exec about that. that that's 
It's that's a, just how the, the sport goes. It's a valid point. I agree. I think if he gets them to that postseason and they're clinical in that final game, then they go, do you know what? We saw growth here. Let's take it to year two and see what happens. Um, yeah, they probably absolutely. would have continued. Uh, not under the guise that they think he's definitely their guy, but you've not seen enough there. That was disastrous enough that you can go, right, let's whip the, the rug from underneath this one. Let's find some mug that's desperate for a quarterback. And sure enough, they found one. Uh, George Jackson, he got in touch. Uh, we've already covered his first point because he'd like to ask, have the Falcons made a good move at quarterback? And I, he thinks they have. Most of you guys think they have. Uh, but he also wants to know what position do the Saints need to draft in this year? Paul. Wide receivers, right? Uh, well, the Saints have had terrible receivers for a while. Um You've got it. They won't draft a running back, but obviously Kamara's a definite issue. Uh, Armstead is still not signed, so you've got to worry about. You know, do you need another tackle? Um, so you know, the Saints have needs, but it'll, a lot will depend on where Terran Armstead goes. Uh, but I would like to see them get a wide receiver, possibly in rounds, you know, two, three, or four. I'm not sure how many draft picks we've got. We tend to get rid of them quite quickly. What, what are your thoughts on a quarterback in round one for the Saints? Is there You're maddeningly who's... inconsistent on this. You don't want Jameis Winston at quarterback, <laughs> but you don't want them to take a shot at the, be- the best. No, the best it's route, just a personal vendetta. The best route that. to them not having Jameis Winston at quarterback is drafting a rookie that's good. Yeah, is there? But that's the good word. Are there rookies well, that are good enough that are well, worth risking the, a first round pick? The, the, there's two things here, isn't there? One is we've we've not talked up the quarterback class at all. So nobody thinks there's a gem in there. That doesn't mean to say there isn't one, but nobody's talking anybody up. The second is, and it's the awkward one thing for the Saints, because if Winston goes down, they just plug in Taysom Hill. Whether you like that or not, that's what they'll do. Um, I've said I would rather they'd swung and gone for Baker, somebody that had a little upside to him. So, no, I don't think, in answer to your question, the Saints are going to go anywhere near a quarterback. And I think this is just going to make it worse in the overall scheme of things. I think there's a lot of teams now are in a really bad position. And I don't really want to come back to the Cleveland thing. But I think you're seeing why Cleveland have paid for what they consider to be a top quarterback talent. Because if you look at the litany of quarterbacks they've had over the years, they've not been able to draft one properly. So that's why they've they've paid for that. Quarterbacks, you can't with you realistically can't win without a decent one. And if you're going to draft one, and Lamar Jackson remains one of the best drafts in recent years um, at quarterback. So is Mahomes at twelve for Kansas, which the Saints were interested in. I think they were due to pick at fourteen. So it takes a little bit of luck as well, Gordon. I mean, is there any quarterback in the draft that you genuinely think that could go in and start? I mean, Willis is getting all the hype. Don't, don't that, so I think to your point though, the players you just talked about, biggest successes in the first round in recent years, um, Lamar, Mahomes, you can add Josh Allen in that as well. Yeah. They didn't start straight away. Josh <laughs> Allen, I think, was a few games into his rookie year, and it took him until year three to be good. Um, Lamar, it was year two. Mahomes oh, wow. Two. Imagine if a quarterback took until year three to be any good. Yeah, but your your quarterback's not going to actually play, so we're not gonna... <laughs> talking about the one that's already there who didn't play until year four. Year four. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, anyway, so tell me again why uh, Trey Lance was a wasted pick. Uh, last... Mike, anyway, Mike, right? Let's no. Let's uh, not do this again. Uh, let's uh, not do this again. Again. <laughs> anyway, Malik Malik Willis. So Malik Willis is someone at Liberty who um, has the high end play, hasn't necessarily been consistent enough yet, and the. At the range on where he could go in the draft, depending on who you talk to and who you listen to, is wildly different. There are people that think he can go as high as two to the Lions, which I think is a possibility. Daniel Jeremiah's most recent mock draft today, he doesn't go in round one. But the, the flip side for if you're talking about a quarterback for the Saints, though, and it's Malik Willis, it's Sam Howell at North Carolina, Kenny Pickett with his tiny hands, like the Saints are in a position whereby Desmond Ritter, the guy from Cincinnati as well, a lot of people really like him. At 18, you don't necessarily have to move up to get a quarterback. And you can, the value in taking a quarterback who works out and you get him on his rookie deal. And, you know, the, the best case scenario if you draft a quarterback is they become your franchise quarterback and you pay them a lot of money. It's just, you know, and, if, and if it doesn't work out, you know, we've seen now. Teams move on very quickly. 
They definitely do. Um, sticking with the quarterback questions, there was another one that came in from uh, Johnny Bailey. Will Mitch Trubisky continue in Big Ben's footsteps in being unbeaten against Lamar Jackson? <laughs> Gordon. No. No. This is the same Johnny Bailey. So we talked about this on Sunday when we met for burgers. <laughs> He's getting flamed on the podcast for this. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've seen in my life. So he tagged the NFL Scotland podcast on Twitter in this. And it was some Steeler fan page meme of the popular Vince McMahon meme where he sat down and he's getting moderately more excited as he comes <laughs> And this Steelers offseason I don't think has been particularly bad. Again, I feel like I'm going to be the podcast Steelers defender, which I hate. I think Mitch Trubisky is probably a small upgrade over Big Ben. I think some of the other players they've signed are pretty decent. They were a playoff team a year ago. Like I said last year, I think they'll be somewhere around 9 and 8, 10 and 7, maybe 8 and 9. So I think I think they've done a perfectly good job, but none of the moves they have made or anything that should get you remotely excited. Every, everything should just be the first Vince McMahon where he's like, all right, okay, cool. That's it. That that's what that meme should be. Every single every single move. Yeah, okay. It appears like he may have deleted that tweet because I no longer see it in our uh, thread. So Johnny, if you did delete the tweet, then let us know. Oh, hang on. Oh no, no, no. No, I found there? it. I found it yet yeah, tagged. Maybe, so maybe he, uh, maybe he was meant to put it on his other burner account. It was. It was. Which, um, uh, he's a prime suspect. <laughs> it was from Blitzberg, uh, Steelers twenty twenty two free agency sign Mitch Trubisky sign center Mason Cole sign guard James Daniels sign cornerback Levi Wallace sign linebacker Miles Jack uh, and just I like the Miles Jack move. I think he's a great player. Uh, he's. Uh, uh, a great pickup for just two years, and that, remember that team's identity is on defense, and they were abysmal, abysmal on in run defense last year. So, if you want to beat the Browns on in, in terms of the running game, then you have to have a run defense. And if you want to stop Lamar, you have to have a run defense. So, yeah, I can see what they're trying to do there. So Johnny's not so, here to can, defend himself, but <laughs> well, well, he's not. Can I can I then ask a genuine question? Given that the Lions have got picks at two. And at 32 in the first round, I mean, Gordon, you're mentioning that you know some drafts don't have Willis going in the first round at all. If you're the GM of the Lions and you like him, do you leave him and hope you get him at 32, or do you pull the trigger at two? I don't think you can wait. So there's two reasons why I don't think you can wait. One, if you like him, and I say this given the fact that when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson, they drafted Hayden Hurst at pick 26, I think, first. They moved back. <laughs> took Hayden Hurst at pick 26 and then moved back up in the second round to get Lamar at the end. But if you're the line sitting at pick 32, I think if it gets to the end of the first round and you're looking to take a quarterback and let's say a couple of them have gone, unless you're very much like we'd take any of these four guys at the end of the first round, someone from the top of the second round, like maybe the Giants who are looking at you know a Daniel Jones replacement, can move up and they don't need to move up that much ahead of you to grab if you think there is the guy. If you think there's a guy who has the chance to be Patrick Mahomes or, you know, anything like that, then I think you take him at two. Coming back to that point that we talked about those good first round quarterbacks as well, this sprung into my head at the mind and I forgot to say it. I feel like those guys, Mahomes, Allen, um, who was the other one that we talked about? Uh, Jackson. None of them were overly hyped I don't think either Mahomes I don't remember Mahomes being massively hyped like there was a bit but there wasn't anything wild um they certainly weren't the big names that year that you were looking to see where they went there was other guys who went further that have been utter failures so I always think it's a really interesting one and I know as well Daniel Jeremiah has uh wee hands Kenny Pickett going to the Saints in the first round um, as part of his most recent mock draft that came out but an hour ago. So, I just, yeah, I always think it's interesting. It, it quite often isn't the guys that have been hyped. And I'm trying to think of the last quarterback, other than Burrow, that was gone in the first couple of picks. None of them have really been a success, have they? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Well, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, number one, uh, pretty good. Got to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Anyway, how long have we been talking here? Because we have gone 50-something minutes. 45. But 45. 
45 minutes we've been talking about quarterbacks. It's true. There's been a lot more going on than quarterbacks. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. And on it's been a big, big kind of week for quarterbacks, though. It has. Imagine, imagine how long we would talk if we hadn't had a podcast before the Russell Wilson trade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Yeah, at least. Um, Okay. Well, uh, just uh, I've got to touch on what the Russell Wilson trade. Did anyone see the press conference? Oh, yes. Cringe. Absolutely hilarious cringe. I'm not Nathaniel be Hackett, list. Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach of um, Denver, who of course was in Green Bay recently, and apparently is a lovely guy, a really nice kind of bonding head coach who I think is going to bring that locker room together. The funniest part was the fact that he was essentially perving over Russell Wilson's wife. Hilarious, absolutely. He better Russell Wilson's going to watch out. <laughs> it is. It, he remains the cringiest quarterback in all of the NFL by an absolute country mile. It's just, oh, it's, it's painful at times. It's genuinely painful. Oh. So, yeah, it's fine. See, it wasn't just because of the Seattle thing. It just, I'll yeah, continue I, have to to have, I will continue <laughs> to have the same level of disdain for his cringiness. But you talked about other players like Chaz. Uh, he mm. came in with a question, and this is pertinent to you because there's two that we're going to talk about. This one will lead mm. into the real one that we want to talk about. But does Darius Smith make the Vikings an NFC North contender? Well, there's only one team in the NFC North that's any good, so they automatically become number two, don't they? So, yeah, he's a, he's a good player. We just don't know if he's fit. Yeah. We don't know if he'll be... I think the, the Packers got the best years out of him. And he's a he's apparently a great locker room presence, really you know a decent human being and a good player, really really good player. But he was too expensive to keep in Green Bay, um, and he's managed to max out his value in, in Minnesota. It's not, the, it's not the only place he was too expensive for. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. We'll let that one go. We'll let that one go. Um, ah, yeah, listen, um, the Vikings have been the number two team in the in the NFC North for quite some time, and I think that they will continue to be like that. I so based on the second trade that we're about to talk about, or the second move that we're about to talk about, I previously, before this past week, would have put their chances in winning the NFC North probably sub five percent. I think based on the trade of Devontae Adams from the Packers to the Raiders, maybe put it about twenty percent that the Vikings can win that division. No, one in five chance. I think that's maybe fair. Yeah. They're definitely the strongest contender outside of the, the Packers still. And I think the the thing is going to be, you know, if you look at the Packers' record without Adams, it's pretty decent. The problem for the Packers is going to be if anything happens to Rodgers now. They're, they've got... Well, no, that's, but that's the, that's that the problem the for every, anyway, for every right? team in the league. Yeah. That's the, team for, that's the case for every team in the league. The, the Vikings and the Packers tend to split their meetings. I'd argue mm, the Browns can left. win with a backup quarterback in the last couple of years because of the run game. But yeah, so not well, every single team, but most teams. If, yeah, if yeah. your franchise quarterback goes down, you're. I mean, if if Tom Brady had got injured, Tampa Bay would have not won the Super Bowl. They would have just plummeted into a black hole. Yeah. It's that's what happens in the NFL. That's why it's the most important position in 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 the league, and <laughs> that's why teams are constantly taking swings at it. But I, the NFC North is a weak division, so if Aaron Rodgers was to go down in Week Four and they're three and zero, um. Well, we saw last year the backup isn't brilliant, but I would still fancy him to win a few games. And then you you potentially got a situation that the NFC North team wins the division, might win it with nine. So it's not a great division. It's not a great conference. It's not a great conference. On, well, yeah, and we say that, and yet the Rams came out as the Super Bowl champions. So it's true. And the the, the, the the Buccaneers won the year before. So. Uh, it's 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 top loaded. I think there's a lot of weak teams in the conference, and that, we discussed that, that many is times. A, that is exactly why I really don't understand the Packers trade in Devontae Adams, unless it was literally as simple as I'm not playing here unless you make me the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, and which, which they offered to do allegedly. Alleged, uh, and also he, he really wanted to play with Derek Carr, which they were they were teammates in college. But uh, supposedly I think, was a big pull. I, I think when you so it, I've been saving this up for a week and a half, and I think when you look at the trade, if he wanted to go to the Raiders, which were his childhood team in the Bay Area, and if he wanted to play with his college quarterback Derek Carr, 
to, to get a first round pick and a second round pick, considering that he is being paid 141 million over five years, averaging 28 million a year. He's 29. He'll, he's nearly 30. He's at his peak. He is absolutely at his peak. Green Bay weren't able to win the Super Bowl with Adams, so they might as well try doing it without him. And it gives them a bit of cap space, which they didn't really have. It gives them a little bit of maneuver room for maneuver. But I, what I think it does long term for Green Bay is it actually begins to reevaluate what that offense is because it's been about Rogers freewheeling for ten years, and that team is now arguably stronger on defense than it is on offense. It's got the the MVP. And it's got two really good running backs and a half-decent offensive line, but you can see them reloading in, in the wide receivers maybe in the draft for the first time ever. Um, and I think this is a different stage of Aaron Rodgers' career. This is now, Matt LaFleur will be comfortable with this move because it means that Aaron Rodgers cannot zone in on one receiver anymore. He can't do it. That's what they were doing. And that, that ultimately, that's where it all went wrong against San Francisco. That final play... To Devontae Adams, he's double covered. He's got two other receivers open on the other end of the part, and he's not even looking at them because he doesn't trust anybody else. And that was not a healthy situation. So I hope for the Packers that actually there is some good that comes out of it. It's a brilliant deal for the Raiders, but the problem for the Raiders is they're in this arms race in the AFC West where every team is upgrading with huge superstars. They had to go and do something and get somebody, and you they made an the absolute slam dunk move. You could, have made, you could make the case that the the trade the Raiders should have made was try and cash in on Carr. Mm. And and the, the thing I find fascinating and the thing I struggle with with the Packers move is how it pairs with keeping Rodgers. And I get that you're still going to be competitive, et cetera, et cetera, but the goal is surely go try and win a Super Bowl. And their chances of winning a Super Bowl feel better with Adams than without. So I would have been fascinated to see how the Packers rebuild with three first-round picks for Rodgers, a first-round pick for Adams, another second-round pick for Adams. There would have been a lot to go out there and, you know, just retool everything. Yeah, but as a franchise, they've never been in a rebuild mode for 30 years. They've always been in win-now mode. And I think that they can still win now, and I still think that they'll win the division. And I still think that they will, um, you know, they'll have a home playoff game in all likelihood. They could make serious advancements in the playoffs. Are they going to get through the, the Super Bowl? No, because they usually blow up in spectacular style in January. So the listen, the torture is going to continue, but you can't you can't sit on one player. I was I said on this podcast a few weeks ago, I was at peace if Rogers left. I'm at peace with the fact that Devontae Adams has left, and I'm glad that they've got a decent deal from him. They've now got two first rounds and two second round picks. They could really go high if they needed to, but I will be utterly astonished if they don't take a wide receiver in the first round. Yeah, surely. With what, at least one of the two picks, right? Maybe um, two. Yeah, possibly. Why not go for be, two? Wouldn't surprise me to see them go for two. There's been so much chat about it. Ironic a little bit that as we're sitting talking about him, he's actually doing his live press conference right now as he's arrived in Las Vegas. Uh, and it brings us on to our next point because uh, we talked a lot about quarterbacks, but there's other players on the move. And we can't remember whether we touched on this or not. But Khalil Mack, of course, just the latest player to descend upon the AFC West uh, with Devontae Adams. Um, and utterly on paper, and let's be honest, in reality, all the makings to be a sensational primetime division bloody brilliant all the way through. Um, there's not necessarily... I think the Chiefs are still the outright favourite. Who's finishing second? Could be the Chiefs. I don't, I don't Could be anyone. The are the fa- I don't think the Chiefs are the favourite anymore. Who's, who have you got? The Chargers. Um. So... If everything we've said about Patrick Mahomes in the last six months is right, in that he's not been the all-world quarterback that we thought he was going to be for a decade. He's been very good, but had some ups and downs. That Chargers defense is ridiculous. It's mm. not It's not just the Mac trade. They also signed JC Jackson. JC Jackson's the one for me. I love that. Just, they've already got Derwin James. They've already got Joey Bosa on the other side. And Justin Herbert the last couple of years has been really good. They've got loads of talent at wide receiver. I, I think 
I think they should probably be the favourite in the entire AFC at this point. With the, with the with the caveat that all the Chargers ever do is disappoint people. <laughs> well, that's the problem. They always do. I think the, the the team, the two teams to have come out of this, are certainly one in particular, and maybe maybe as well the other, who will be looking at what's going on in the FC West, and they will be delighted. Are the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans? Don't forget the Tennessee Titans were the number one seed in the AFC, albeit they lost. Um, to the Bengals in the playoffs, and they they made they made a real hash of it. But they're going to win that division, in my view, because I can't see them being touched still. And the Buffalo Bills are going to win the AFC East, and I would expect the Buffalo Bills to be the number one seed because they're playing in a weaker division. And these teams in the AFC West are going to—they're all going to cut each other's throats. You could make a case for any one of them to win the division. And any one of them to come forth. Don't forget that the Chiefs after week seven were bottom of the division. So it's perfectly plausible to see a complete flip this year. And I, I can't see the number one seed coming out of the West. I can see potentially two teams coming out of the West, but it's going to go down to the, the wire. If you look at the players on, you know, just on the surface, we talk about individuals. These players have got to blend as well. And you look at Buffalo, Buffalo have got a system in place that has been in operation for three or four years. They've not made many changes. They've signed Von Miller. Um, They've got continuity there. And the thing about free agency, as much as, you know, we've talked about the trades that have been made and and whatnot, great, great, great players tend not to go to free agency. And it's usually the, the teams that have got the continuity that you see turning up at the end in January and competing. And that's why I think the Bills and the Titans, you know, they got rid of Julio Jones. They've pulled out of that one and they've traded for Robert Woods. And if he's fit, I think he's an upgrade. And then they're essentially the same team they were last year. And they they were the number one seed. So why can't they do it again in a weak division? I just think those two teams are going to benefit from this. I, I, I do think that's fair. And I also think, so I think the number of teams that get to the playoffs out of the AFC West, the more teams that get to the playoffs, the lower down the top team is going to be seed-wise. If you, it's interesting. If you look as well at the odds at the moment, uh, this is obviously very, very early. But looking through all of the divisions, the AFC West is the narrowest from the odds you'll get for the most favourite team to the least favourite team, with the Raiders being the least favourite at five to one. Um, and basically the Broncos are about 2.5 to 1. Now, that's funky odds, but whatever. Um, the division where they can't differentiate is the AFC South, where the odds on the Titans and the Colts are identical uh, as it stands. And then you look at the AFC... I said AFC North, I don't know. AFC South. AFC North... Um, You've got virtually nothing between the Browns, the Ravens, and the Bengals, with currently the Browns the favourites to win the division at the moment. All of the divisions are really, really close. Um, The team with the worst odds to win their division as it stands right now, who do you think that is, just out of interest? Worst odds, as in the the biggest favourites? So the least favourites. Sorry, the longest odds to win. So not the worst odds. Because that's not the best odds. Like, So the longest odds. Who's, by the odds, the least likely to win their division of all the, the teams Texans. in the NFL? Texan, Texans would be the sensible one. Yes, it is the Texans. Closely followed, very closely, by the Jets. So <laughs> it continued to be in that division. Um, but, you know, the divisions where, you know, you're, it's pretty tight is... You know, the NFC East is pretty tight. Um, out with that, though, there's not much to talk about. The Yeah, it's interesting. Um, obviously, it's far too early. There's a lot to go. We've still got the draft ahead of us. This is just as things stand. But AFC West looks to be exciting. But coming back to your point about the Ram- the Rams and the, the Bucks, it's if your season's not as difficult, you're not as banged up, you go into the postseason slightly healthier. I mean, Brady won that division... He didn't win the division, sorry, but he won that postseason, and he had every single asset available to him. And he came up against a Chiefs team that Mahomes was missing a couple of massive pieces on his offensive line. Um, you can't really say that the Bengals. 
they weren't overly banged up, but they weren't fancied to be there against the Rams that had a lot more depth than them. Um, but that game was close. That game was close. So maybe come into play. Um, okay. Anyone got anything else that they want to cover on this episode? We've been prattling on for an hour. I think, I think we only... Did Did we cover the Von Miller Bills move? No, we did not. Bills. That, no. So, I mean, the numbers are ridiculous and they're very much inflated to make it look like a lot of money and it won't be quite as much money, but was still a huge amount of money he got and does still make them a better team. And to Charles' point, I, I do think... It's Buffalo's it, time now, isn't it, really? They've yeah, got and, a win. And they probably should have last year. Yeah. Yes. They probably should have. But if spots and maybes, uh, Paul, anything that you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, Joe Buck obviously going to ESPN um, to join his his man, Troy Aikman. Um, and interestingly, what Fox had to give up to get him out of his contract a year early was one Big Ten game. There you go. Is that it? But, but also, but also, uh, I think Fox. In fact, was it not ESPN had to give that up? Like Fox already had a lot of the Big Ten, so it's going to be like some like mid. No, it, it's it's opening the kickoff for the Big Ten. It's uh, Penn State ah, okay. against, uh, against Purdue. I think is what they wanted. So they've got a big um, Thursday night match up on football, which will apparently bring them in millions in ad revenue. So fair enough. Uh, it, they'll, they'll, I, they'll win that way. I I am really happy that it's fucking Aikman, Aikman to Monday Night Football. Yeah, uh, it's great. It's really I, good. I, I think they're good, and the Monday Night crew has been relatively well dreadful and then it went to kind of uninspired um, they were adequate just, this year they were fine this year you, you oh, just told them to get good mean. games that's they need to get good games because quite yeah. often monday night has terrible games so and it's not the only so uh al michaels is off to thursday night football so it's going to be uh collinsworth and Tariko on i think Tariko's terrible I'm, I, I, have to say, I'm, I, I don't think, think he's terrible. brilliant. I don't think he's brilliant. I, 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 I've always quite, I've always thought he's got like a very distinctive voice, which I think is really good for. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this as like a for for big moments, a voice that you remember, and long before I did this podcast, it was Paul's commentary of the James McFadden goal in Paris that I remembered. Because I I just thought it was like it was like a voice that really stood out, and I think Tariko has that voice. So you've just been compared to Tariko. <laughs> this has been a shit night for Paul. <laughs> wow. <laughs> on that note, no, 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 no. So hang on, we, there's a, there is something that we need to talk about before we wrap this up. Um, we will be back again in a couple of weeks, and we are about done. But obviously, some. Disappointing news during the week. Obviously, the injury to David Ajabo. Uh We haven't talked about this. We thought we'd save it till the end of the pod. Um, ultimately, you know, there was so much hype for David, and we're gutted for him. Now, it appears that it's an Achilles, uh, a full tear, uh, which I think is the better of the outcomes. Speaking to uh, or looking at some of the reports from doctors, and actually, um, a couple of people got in touch to say that actually that's the better outcome of the two. The one thing I think, Paul, having followed David for the last four years and the journey that he's been on, he has a character level that, I don't know about you, I certainly feel like this is just a hurdle. And he's come out and said it himself. It is just a hurdle in the journey that he's on. He's not focused just on the draft. He's not focused on just making the NFL. He's got aspirations to have a great career here. And this is something that he will need to get through um, and move on from. But... So sad to see him injure himself like he did at his pro day. There's obviously Bucky Brooks shared the fact that nobody really... The optics of the, the moments afterwards didn't look great because a lot of people on the side just kind of... A few of them turned their backs, a few of them stepped back. A guy went out and collected the ball rather than actually check on David as he's rolling around okay. holding his ankle. But yeah, you're being you're being too nice, and I'm sure David wouldn't want this, but I would certainly call for it. The guy who went and picked up the ball and the guy who sat with his arse on his seat and not moving should both be disciplined for the sheer callousness they showed to a young man who was obviously hurt. You know, you're dealing in you know the difference that could make to him financially. 
emotionally, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and to see people treating anyone with such disdain, um, I, I, I certainly think somebody's got to look at that. I don't know who they are. I don't know what their role was, but honestly, the guy that walked along and picked the ball up and just ignored him on the ground, that was shameful. Yes, And I think if he's not been disciplined or spoken to, he's got to be. I don't think, David, you know, would certainly forgive. I don't think he's vindictive in any sort of way, but I think you've got to look at that and see if that happened again. Are they going to just leave somebody down there on the turf? It was a horrible optics for the NFL. Yes, I, I agree. And I was being a little bit soft on that one. Um, but I think for David, no, obviously Daniel Jeremiah's mocks come out. David, probably not likely to go into the first round, I guess, looking at the pros and cons of this. Uh, and we met up and, you know, we had a bit of a get-together at the weekend there and some burgers exchanged hand. A bottle of whiskey came in my direction as we set How up How many some burgers? Um, How many burgers? There's been questions about this. Gordon I mean, got I mean, three. Wow, three. How are you feeling, Gordon? Do you know, I tell you what, it wasn't the burgers that gave me indigestion. It was the... <laughs> the ma- <laughs> No, 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 the golf tavern is wonderful. The burgers are great. The beers are wonderful. The service is great. Not a fan of the coleslaw. It's like some kind of purple <laughs> can, cabbagey coleslaw. Yeah. How can coleslaw give you indigestion? Well, I'll be I don't mean, but just like I, every I, time I every time I burped the rest of the day, I could taste. Oh, no, really, that's ca- cabbagey, cabbagey mayonnaise. I bought myself a burger and I didn't eat the coleslaw. So, um, so yes, um, but burgers were exchanged. But we talked about this with David, right? And you know, there's there's a hard for him to look at it. And we were lining him up to come and join us before the draft. Now we will give him space because uh, you know, let's give him space. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I still have to hope he's at least a day two pickup for someone because the injury looks to be fairly clean and someone will take a risk on someone with the upside. Um, we hope he gets a good landing spot somewhere that he can thrive. And we've got no doubt that David Ajabo is going to go and have a great big career in the NFL and be an absolute star. So, you know, we just needed to touch on that though. But definitely, guys, disappointing to, to see that outcome. I think if we're going to look at the optimistic view, I don't think we should close the door in the first round at this point. I think there's two spots that he potentially can still be a first rounder. One's Philadelphia because yeah. they have three first round picks. So you've got, I think it's very difficult and the, it's the callousness of the sport is very difficult to draft a player who is just coming off an injury in the first round. If you have more first round picks, I think you can potentially... Um, make that move. So I think the Eagles with three first round picks, and I also think the Lions at the end of the first round. That yeah. second first round pick um, played in Michigan, so there's that attachment there as well. They have um, another one at 46 that I've almost seen. If he does make it out of the first round, then 46 to the Lions feels like a really sweet spot for him potentially to go there. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting. Let's hope all the all the very best to David. And when we can speak to him, um, we absolutely will do. Get him back on the show. Okay. Anyone got anything else to cover just now? All right. Uh, that is the full-time whistle then for episode 187 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this in every single episode. Please continue to do so. Uh, give us a review on Spotify if you listen to us on there. The, the, the reviews are climbing and we love to see it uh, at Scotland NFL on Twitter though and you can search for NFL Scotland on Facebook we hope you've enjoyed the podcast as always so much happening in the world of the NFL my thanks to Gordon Charles and to Cameron and to you for listening until the next time bye for now